here talking about part four about heaven. Part four, how many parts are there? I don't know yet. I have no idea. I thought last week that I'd get through more than just two slides, but that did not happen. So we're going to keep going. I'm not sure until there's nothing more to say about heaven. <laughs> I don't know. It might be a while. Why don't people want to go he- want to go to heaven right now? Right now. Everybody wants to go to heaven. Why don't we want to go right now? It's a question that I've opposed to you a few different lessons. And even just before I came up here, I was thinking, why don't I want to go to heaven right now? Partially, especially as Americans, we have it really good. That could be part of it for us, is we have it really good. I was just thinking about yesterday, got to go have some fun, and somebody invited me to swing a golf club. That was fun. And I thought, I'm standing here on this beautiful course. I mean, how privileged, how privileged, you know, am I to just, I mean, take in the beauty that was there. And how many people in the world would love to be standing right where my feet were standing? To them, they would say, that's heaven. (laughs) That is like heaven. And we have it real good. We often get down to ourselves about we don't have it as good as so-and-so. For us, it's not, it's not, what, it's not if we're going to have a car. It's what type of car we're going to have. Is it going to have leather? Do I have to have cloth? God forbid cloth. <laughs> I mean, they're first world problems. I mean, am I right? It's absolutely insane. We're not looking for our next meal. We have cupboards that are full. Now, that doesn't mean that it's always going to be that way. And some of you possibly and your parents, some of your parents definitely, grandparents as well, know what it's like to be without food. We have record of it and many different things. And all I know is right now things are really good. And God brings things into our lives which causes us to get to the place where we want heaven. (laughs) That can be through a variety of circumstances, through health. He, He can bring you to your knees on that. It can be the loss of loved ones, emotional struggles. And many of those things make us long for heaven, uh, even here in America. And so as we look forward to it, We have some things we're going to go over today to give us a good picture. So when we get there, we're not as surprised. (laughs) We're going to be surprised, I can tell you that. We're going to be surprised. We're going to do a little review of last week. I'll just run through them real quick. I'm not going to say hardly anything about it. The three verses we were looking at were in Revelation 6, verses 9, 10, and 11. We looked at 9 and 10 last week. If you are here and you... This is your first one. I encourage you to go back and listen to the other ones. They're on the internet, YouTube, Facebook, church website, and you can find them get caught up to where we're at now. Revelation 6, 9, they opened the fifth seal. I saw under the altar the souls of them that were slain for the word of God and for the testimony which they held. Some details about heaven we get from these three verses alone is when these people died, they were relocated to heaven. It's important. They didn't just go nowhere. They didn't stay dormant. They went to heaven. They were the same people that were martyred. You're going to be the same person in heaven that you were here, except you're going to be a little bit glorified. 
they they were remembered for their lives on earth. They had a testimony, and that testimony carried over to heaven. You don't just get a brand new, clean slate, totally 100%. Everything's under the blood. I understand that, and I agree with that totally. But their lives were remembered uh, in heaven. Verse 10, and they cried with a loud voice, saying, How long, O Lord, holy and true, dost thou not judge and avenge our blood on them that dwell on the earth? They expressed themselves. They cried out with a loud voice. They are fully conscious and aware. They are capable of learning. They did ask God questions. They were not satisfied. They were not satisfied until justice was done. And they also remembered something bad, something horrible. They remembered that they were murdered. And as we move on to the final verse that we're going to look at in this, turn in my notes here. And white robes were given unto every one of them, and it was said unto them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were, should be fulfilled. First thing I want you to notice is that they are distinct individuals. Distinct individuals. They were given white robes. It mentions, it says, every one of them. Every one of them. And this was a distinct, not only as individuals were they recognized, and this was also as a group they were recognized. Some have the idea when you go to heaven, everybody's just going to be totally 100% on the same playing field. That's not the impression the Bible gives us. There's different rewards for different people. You work hard in this life, you lay up treasure in this life, you're rewarded. Some people are going to be saved by the skin of their teeth. These folks are a special group of people who, during the tribulation, were martyred for their faith. And they received some special recognition for it as a group, but also uh, distinctly as individuals as well. The fact that they're wearing robes would suggest and would imply that, yes, they have a physical, they have physical uh, bodies. They have a physical form. That's just from common reasoning, I would think. And I would assume the same thing because it says in verse 9 that John, when John says, I saw. I saw them, which would also indicate as well that they weren't just in spirit form where they were not able to be seen. So a few things that we gather from that. I want you to notice next, there is communication. There is communication. Now, as we saw in the previous lesson, we noted that these individuals who were martyred, they were expressing to God their concern and in, in in requesting, when are you going to have justice? When is your vengeance going to be released upon these people who have murdered us and have killed us? And as of last lesson, we know that they were communicating with God. But the other thing that I want you to know is, as well, is that God communicated back to them. It was a two-way street. And now right here on, on this side of heaven, we pray to God. And Pastor Bills mentioned a statement, something like, uh, you know, 95% of uh, what God is going to tell you is found in the pages of Scripture. The other 5%, he'll reveal it to you. Um, how does he get those percentages? I don't know, but, you know, we know what he's, we know what he's getting across. 
God speaks to us through his word. But in heaven, in heaven, there seems to be an audible communication between God and the saved individuals who are there. Now, it doesn't necessarily say that God actually talked to them specifically. It says, and it was said unto them. So, uh, either way, maybe an angel communicated it. But what I want you to get is the fact is there is a two-way communication between us and between God, which I love that. You ever thought, I just really want to ask God something, right? And we do. We pray. And sometimes it seems pretty quiet. It seems like nobody's on the other end of the telephone. What I like about this is they asked God something, and they got an answer back. And someday God's going to have some answers for us to some questions that we would, we would really like to know. We wonder often, is God going to reveal every detail? And, you know, even recently we've had some folks who've lost loved ones. And there's so many questions, questions that surround those types of scenarios. And we think, are we going to know? Well, these people, they understood their predicament. They knew that they were murdered. And they were asking God's, God's opinion on when he was going to have justice. And God gave them a, an answer, rest. Rest a little longer. And I think we will have answers to, to many of those questions that we have. The next one is, there is time in heaven. There is time in heaven. Notice it says, for a little season, that they should rest for a little season. Rest implies waiting. Their question was, how long, O Lord? That was a time-based question. He gave a time-based answer, rest for a little season. They were aware of the passing time, and it required waiting. We often think of passages such as, a day is as a thousand years to the Lord. I, I can't tell you how many times that I've, I've quoted that. Second uh, Peter uh, 3.8, that's where it comes from. Be not ignorant of this one thing. That one day is with the Lord is as a thousand years, and a thousand years is as a day. How does that work out? It's tough. But there is time in heaven, and some people claim that there will be no time in heaven whatsoever. Again, I don't see how that could work. And some even quote, and we often quote this phrase right here, in time shall be no more. And some people even quote it as if it's the Bible. But it's not. It's actually from a hymn. You guys know which one? When the roll is called up yonder. When the trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more. That's not exactly entirely accurate because this right here is after the trumpet sound. This is during the tribulation. The fifth seal was open. So that right there, you can still sing the song out and it'll still bring you joy. Doctrinally, is it correct? No. No, but some people quote that time's going to be no more in heaven. Not necessarily. And they also, what, what's interesting as well about that song, as well as that the next line is ironically contradicting to the first thing. When the uh, trumpet of the Lord shall sound and time shall be no more, and the morning breaks, the morning breaks. Well, the morning breaking again describes time. So, anyway, be in the spirit next time you hear it. 
some point to Revelation 10.6 that there shall be time no longer. And in context with that, in context with that whole passage, that is referring to that there's no delay in God's justice uh, of what's going to happen anymore. He's putting a stop to it. And so there is going to be some sort of time in heaven. And the people up there are aware of what's going on on earth. And to some degree, they are aware of uh, a time, time scale. Next, they know wickedness is still occurring on the earth. We briefly touched on that last in the last lesson about when we get to heaven, there are going to know bad things. I mentioned already today that they understood that they were murdered, which is a horrific thing. You would think that we get to heaven, we don't remember those things anymore, but they did, and they were upset about it. Not only do they did they know that they were murdered, but they also, God revealed to them that they should rest for a little season until their fellow servants also and their brethren that should be killed as they were should be fulfilled. So God also let them know about some other atrocities that were going to happen, that their fellow servants and their brother and their brethren, which also has a family aspect to the folks who are saved. There's a family aspect uh, to that as well. But he let them know that there is wickedness still uh, occurring on the earth. They do know that God is in control of what's going on on the earth. The question in verse 10 was, how long? How long, O Lord, are you going to let this continue? The question was not, can you do anything about it? I mean, the question was not, are you able? Are you able? It was when. When are you going to do anything about it? And in heaven... How are we going to have peace during that time? Well, we're going to know beyond a shadow of a doubt that we are in the hands of an all-powerful God. And so I don't think we're going to be as concerned with what's going on uh, in the earth and, and all that sort of thing. I think we're going to really understand that God is in control and we're resting, we're resting uh, in his hands. And so, although... There are terrible things that would be occurring here on the earth. They still are capable of resting to some degree. They are still capable of resting in heaven. So those are just a few things that we know about heaven. We're going to kind of change topics here after looking at those three verses when we looked at the details of heaven. Now we're switching over to something a little different. The characteristics of heaven. The characteristics of heaven. So before those were small maybe minor details. Right now, we're going to look at bigger picture, bigger picture things about heaven. The first thing is heaven is going to be a familiar place, a familiar place. John 14, 2 says, In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you, I go to prepare a place for you. There's so many good things that we can glean from this passage, I love that it's personal. I go to prepare, prepare a place for you specifically, you specifically, and me specifically. Home is a place where we fit right in. Wouldn't we agree on that? I do understand as well that everybody here has different home life scenarios. Now, again, sometimes the way we grew up can sway our opinion to some degree about what, the way we read the Bible. When you think about home, for, for me, I have 
pretty happy memories about home. Now, some in here may not. So really, I'm pretty much basing the majority off my opinion. Some people uh, have the same downfall whenever they look at Jesus as a father. And some people, when they look at their earthly father, and I'm sure if we went around the room, some of you probably had some pretty terrible, terrible, terrible fathers just for the size of room, the room that we have here. And that can also uh, inflict on the way we view God. That's where we have to take the Bible <laughs> and base it off the Bible and not, not off of our opinions alone. But in general, home is a place where we fit right in. I remember going, coming home from college, and I'll be honest, when I went home from college, I really didn't have the desire to go home. I wanted to stay, but when I got there, <laughs> when I walked through the door, pulled in the driveway, got out, walked through the door, whoa, it just hits you like a ton of bricks, being away for so long and coming back to the place that I called home. It was a place that I could be myself, totally, 100%. I wasn't fooling anybody. <laughs> My mom, dad, they knew me like nobody else knows me. I could be myself. And heaven is a place that is made for us specifically. We all live in houses. Some of us even have houses that were made for us. Well, I was thinking, when I was looking over my notes here, uh, even today, I thought about Mr. Abdiel's house over here. And he built his house. Some of you have built your own house as well. And he took myself and a few other folks for a tour of his place shortly after it was built, and I was surprised. I don't know why I was surprised, but I was impressed. That's the way I should say it. I was impressed about the detail that he put into his home, about how everything was in a specific spot, and it seemed like everything was thought of. One of the most intriguing things that I loved about your house, now this is weird. Ladies, you're not going to understand this at all. You're not going to get this. But us men, we're going we're gonna to know. You're going to know you're going to like this. In his garage, he has a little room over to the side, and he has a little door. You open up, and all of his water pipes <laughs> to his house come into one location. And he has, what, eight, nine, ten of them, something like that, maybe more, all in one location. And they're all individual water shutoffs for, for each room or each section of the house, which is awesome. So when you go and you have to change the toilet, when you go and you have to repair something, you don't have to shut the water off to the entire house. You just turn it off at the one section. I mean, that's that's the most that's the thing I loved about your house the most out of everything. <laughs> it's it is. And there were some other details that you mentioned that, for time's sake, I won't go into. But how you planned some things out, how you wanted it a certain way. And those of you that know Abdiel know he is a very detailed person. But I'm sure if I asked you right now, is there anything, having lived in your house now, is there anything that you would want to change or wish you would have done a little different? And I guarantee you the answer would be yes. Oh, no. Oh, no. Uh-oh. We won't go down that road. You're not going to be married in heaven, so at least you don't have to worry about that over there. <laughs> yeah. 
But yes, there's things, even the house that we build for ourselves, Nick, you guys built the house and I'm, you guys got done with that, same thing. I wish there was a few things that I could change over here. And it was built for you, but you didn't probably cover every detail looking back. But Jesus, when he builds something, he knows us better than we know ourselves. And so when he builds something for us, and as he prepares a place for us, you can mark it down that it's going to be exactly what you like. I don't think you're going to go in there and say, Miss Marilyn, I don't think you're going to go in there and say, I don't like the drapes. That color choice, not very good. I don't think that's going to be the way it is. We're going, I mean, it's a place specifically built for us. Next, heaven is, oh my goodness, sorry. I was supposed to give these to you. Heaven is a place where we, that is made for us. And then the last one for the section is heaven will be a place of loved ones. When I walked through the doors coming home from college, it wasn't just coming in the house and, you know, smelling that familiar smell that you remember as home. Every home has a smell, some better than others. If you have dogs, it's one thing. But I remember coming home, taking it all in. But imagine if that house was just empty. Nobody was there. Would it have the same appeal? Would it have the same feeling? No, absolutely not. It had to do with the people who were there. And my mom, my dad, my brother, my sister. And if it wasn't for them, it wouldn't quite be the same. And when we think about heaven, it's going to be a place that is filled with loved ones. Some that we know. Many that we don't know that are going to be like family. There's not going to be any lust in heaven. There's not going to be any greed. There's not going to be any jealousy. It's going to be a place where we actually can get along. Us Baptists will be able to get, get along with some of the Lutherans <laughs> and so on and so forth. But it's going to be a place of when we get to reunite as well. Next, another characteristic of heaven, it's a place of worship. It's a place of worship. Revelation 5, two verses here. Oh, no, one verse. Revelation 5, 13. And every creature which is in heaven and on the earth and under the, and under the earth and such as are in the sea and all that are in them heard I saying, Blessed, blessing and honor and glory and power be unto him that sitteth on the throne, upon the throne, and unto the Lamb forever and ever. And that's just one verse there. We could spend the entire lesson going over different areas where there is worship going on in heaven. We know that's going to be the case. Some have the idea that we are going to just be worshiping God 24-7. And when I mean worshiping God, I'm referring right now to specifically in, in praise, in singing, in rejoicing, and that is one area of worship. What I'm not too hip on is predominantly the new evangelical movement is people coming and saying, I'm going to worship, I'm going to worship. Yes, we're going to worship, but our lives every day should be worship. Not just coming, and if all worship is is coming into 
God's house and singing a few songs. And that's our worship. And worship's way bigger than that. Worship's the other six days of the week. And worship in heaven is not going to be us giving glory uh, just to God and singing and praising. It's going to be living as well. And this d- transpires as well on the new uh, earth that is that we are going to be on with Christ. People on earth right now, we're always looking for a reason to celebrate. From when I was in high school versus now, I cannot believe how many more holidays they've stuck in the calendar and kids get off of school. It's absolutely incredible. When I was when I was in high school, you had Good Friday. You would get off on Good Friday. Maybe some of you had the same thing. Now, I was talking to uh, Paul Chilson, and they have off not only Good Friday, but they have like the day after Easter is off now as well. Do you guys know that? That's that's wild. That's absolutely wild. We're looking for reasons. We have National Donut Day. I mean, really. I mean, if I see one more thing on Facebook about it's National Sibling Day, recognize my brother, my sister. We're always looking for things to celebrate. I, I guarantee if we went through this week, there'd be some sort of celebration thing that's taking place. And so we're always looking to celebrate. And in heaven, some way or another, we're going to have this spirit of rejoicing. First of all, we know what we missed out on. We know we missed out on hell. We know that Jesus loved us immensely, died for us, sanctified us. We're going to be ever grateful for that. And even right now, I can mention that, and some of you are probably sitting here thinking, well, yeah, I've heard that before. But when we get to the other side, we're going to, ha- we're going to take it all in. We're going to get a, a, a true big picture about really what Jesus did for us. And we're going to be eternally grateful, which is going to transpire into worship, falling down on our faces. I mean, I've worshipped a lot. I've sung very few times have I felt the need to get down and lay down hands and knees in worship. But heaven is going to be that type of place. Will our faces always be at Jesus' feet? No. The Bible says we're going to do many other things working, especially when it comes to uh, the new earth. There was work before the fall. Don't forget that. Some of you that hate work, (laughs) we have a skewed view about work too because of the curse that got instilled on it. How is work going to be different without the curse? I think Murphy's not going to be working against you. (laughs) Murphy's law. When you drop a wrench in the car... (laughs) And it goes down there in the engine. I don't think we'll be struggling those types of things. I don't think so. Next. Characteristics. Oh, that was my answer. Characteristics of heaven. Another one. It's a place where God's will is done. Where God's will is done. This is not a trick question. Matthew 6.10. I'll, I'll give you the question. Thy kingdom come. Thy will be done. In earth as it is in heaven. And theologians will say, well, Chris, God is sovereign and his will is being accomplished on the earth. Exactly the way, yes it is, and to an extent, no, it isn't. Why do I say that? 
because God's not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So does God always get his way 100% of the time? We would say no, but we would also say yes, because he planned it that way. God knew what he was doing when he gave man a free choice, when he gave man free will. Nobody's going to, I don't, there's not going to be anybody that stands before God and points a finger at him and says, well, you didn't give me a chance. Everybody's got a choice to make. And God knew exactly what he was doing when he did that. Daniel 4.35 says, And all the inhabitants of the earth are reputed as nothing, showing how great God is. And he doeth according to his will in the army of heaven and among the inhabitants of the earth, and none can stay his hand or say unto him, What doest thou? And that's how great our God is. In heaven the angels obey. Matthew 26.53 Thinkest thou that I cannot uh, now pray to my Father, and he shall presently give me more than 12 legions of angels, they would have obeyed Jesus' command on the spot. So heaven is a place where God's will is done, which is different than the earth. If God's will was completely getting done on earth, why would, why would we pray Matthew 6, 6.10? Where Jesus gives us as the model prayer, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. It implies that God's will is not totally being done on the earth. But in heaven, it will be. That means there's going to be no more sin. How are we going to function without free will? Total 100% free will? Will there not be opportunity to sin? Adam and Eve, they were placed as perfect beings in the garden, but they had an opportunity to sin. Is God going to take away every possible opportunity so there's nothing left that we could possibly choose over him? Probably so. It's a mystery. I have a lot of question marks in my head. I can't put it all together, but I know it's going to be better than I ever imagined. We're out of time. Let's pray. We'll be done. Lord, thank you for the few moments we're able to look on heaven. May we have a desire and a yearning uh, to go there. I think I believe the more that we are uh, in line with you, the more that this world is this world is going to repulse us. May we remove our lustful desires and our jealous desires. And their desires just lay up treasures here. May you get our minds focused on heaven. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website, gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.